Welcome to Onward, the show where we explore emerging social innovations and chat with social innovators. I'm your host, Daniel Weinsberg. As a consultant, no two days are the same. But let me give you a little insight into what my routine sort of looks like. I wake up, check my phone, make the coffee, go on a walk, where I see other walkers staring at their phones. Then I drive to a meeting, and I see commuters racing off texts, and then I arrive at that meeting, and I'm witnessing employees around the table with their phones on the table, anticipating that buzz blink of their yet-to-be-pinged phones. And then maybe I'll go get a beer all to witness the barflies guzzling information on their phones. And then it's time to take the lady to dinner, and I see couples longingly staring into their own screens. Houston, we got a problem. The incredible minds that created these powerful devices knew a thing or two about human psychology, and they designed these devices accordingly. These devices are designed to be addictive. They're like little slot machines, the never-ending scroll, the neon-blinking lights, the notification reminders. These all functions as some sort of reward system. The neon light goes off, and we think we gotta check to see what it means. Our last pokes get 17 likes, and we're feeling acknowledged. And all of these activities give us the small dopamine hit and leave us wanting more. The problem with these incredible devices being designed as such is that they're incentivizing terrible interpersonal and in-person communication habits. It's hard enough to really listen to each other without any distraction, and then throw in a blinking light and a buzzing pocket that commands your attention and the chances of you listening go from nearly nil to zilch. Our ability to be present with ourselves with each other, with our surroundings, is under constant attack thanks to these incredible devices. And this is jeopardizing our ability to think deeply, to connect meaningfully, and to focus intently. So, whole fields are being created now to respond to this challenge, to break the habits that inhibit our interpersonal communications and relations. In today's episode, I sit down with the director of one of these companies. This group's name is Yonder, and they're creating a simple solution to make your smart device dumb so you can be brilliant again. Alex, thanks so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Daniel, for having me. So Alex joins us from Yonder. They're an exciting company trying to help uh, all of us phone addicts step <laughs> away from our addiction. So Alex, can you tell us about the what Yonder's up to and how you're going about trying to solve our digital addiction? Yeah, so uh, we are here to create 
much more engaging personal interactive spaces by eliminating the cell phone distraction. Um, and so we started as a company uh, back in 2014. And, um, you know, since then we've grown, we, we, we initially started uh, pretty much in the entertainment and events industry, kind of doing shows, performances, that sort of thing. And it's been really cool to see kind of the organic, uh, natural grassroots kind of growth where, um, you know, Dave Chappelle was our first big name artist to create, you know, phone free shows. And we found that there were teachers and principals and, um, you know, uh, managers of companies going to these shows and seeing these, you know, thousands of people all together phone free. And the, the light bulb kind of went off you know, saying, wow, how do I bring this to my space? And, um, you know, from there, we've, we've definitely um, kind of found our, our way into a lot of new spaces that kind of have a similar idea of, you know, we, we would be a more productive, engaging uh, space if, if we didn't have this distraction from technology. And so, yeah. So is Dave Chappelle's initial motivation more around copyright or around creating more connected spaces? That's a great question. And, um, you know, I think there's a little of both, um, especially in the comedy industry. And, and at this point, we have most of the big name comedians are, are using Yonder for their shows. And, and a big part of it is, is certainly the copyright, the IP. You know, they don't want their stuff going up on YouTube. Um, but when you... Uh, listen to their interviews and, and, and talk with them about it. They, they obviously acknowledge that component, but um, they talk a lot about the personal experience and, and how they can interact in a much better way with their fans than they were able to do, you know, within the last five or 10 years. Um, there's a great uh, video of Chris Rock on a morning show kind of talking about just how since he started using Yonder, it's just, it's a better show. It's a better experience. And, and he does a great job of, of kind of describing how, uh, you know, we as individuals sometimes don't even know how much of a break we want from our phone uh, un until we physically can't access it. And then, you know, that anxiety level starts to go down a little bit. Now, I imagine if I was one of these uh, people who were lucky enough to go see Dave Chappelle at this show, and I'm checking in, and the attendant asked me for my phone, there'd be some resistance there. So uh, how are you guys overcoming the, the resistance from detaching? <laughs> Great question. Um, a lot of positivity um, and in, in making it really clear, um, you know, we, and we have signage. We, we actually are now like when, when people purchase tickets, they get an email notification. So we try and, you know, prep them as much as possible. So it's not this like, you know, spur of the moment, wait, what's happening? Um, but yeah, just making it really clear. This is the artist request. Um, you know, they, they want you to be more engaged and, and you know, enjoy the show in, in, a, in a new level almost. Um, and, and a big component about, you know, what's so nice about Yonder is that uh, patrons and, you know, students in schools, who, whoever is using Yonder, they actually get to keep their phone on their person. They can't access it, but something about being able to keep it on their person, not having to physically hand it over or like detach themselves 100% from their phone. There's almost that like, uh, you know, calming piece in, in that, even though they can't use their phone. So explain to uh, the listeners how uh, people are able to keep their phone, but not access their phone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So 
Um, we, we essentially have lockable cell phone pouches. And uh, the way that it works, it's, it's kind of similar to uh, department store security tags on clothes, right? Where um, when, when the device is closed, it's locked and you can't open it um, unless you have the unlocking base. And when you tap the unlocking base, similar to when you're checking out at the store, the, the device opens up and then you're able to take your phone out. So if you went to the show, you know, you, you get your phone put in the pouch, the pouch is closed, you hand or you get the pouch from the staff member. So you hold it with you the whole time. You just physically can't open it. Okay. So now, now that we understand a bit about what Yonner's up to, uh, delve into why this is so important in this moment. Why solving yeah. this problem? Is yeah, absolutely. So, um, my, so just a little background about me. My, I, I have almost an exclusive background in education and, um, that's actually how I discovered Yonder. So I was a, uh, former administrator at a high school out in Boston, Massachusetts, and seeing the cell phone struggle firsthand, um, you know, whether it was students just being completely disengaged in class, not participating, um, as, as the dean of the school, I dealt with all of the discipline and the behavior issues, and what I was finding was that, <clears throat> excuse me, 95 to 99% of the discipline referrals, you know, the fights, physical altercations, all of that was stemming from something that happened on social media and it came to a head. And then all of a sudden they're scheduling when they're going to have the fight at what period in the bathroom, that sort of stuff. It was all happening on the phones. <laughs> and, you know, we kind of realized we need to do something here. And um, so we kind of, you know, started looking around and, and found Yonder. I think actually my principal, I think she went to a Chappelle show in Boston is actually how we discovered it. And so, um, yeah, we, we decided to implement it. And I was the one who kind of uh, spearheaded the initiative at my school. And we did it for all of our students, you know, phone-free school. And, you know, I, I really saw the results firsthand. Um, and I was already planning to move. My wife got a job, you know, in a, in a different region. And so uh, I almost half-jokingly asked Yonder if they were hiring in this, you know, new area. And they said, yes, I'm your resume. So, uh, here I am about a year and a half ago and, um, you know, really working to affect some, some positive, you know, change and, and really, you know, my goal in particular is to, you know, help uh, impact some more positive student outcomes and we're, we're really seeing some exciting things with that. And so before we get into the exciting things, let's uh, mind uh, <laughs> the nefarious things that are going on. So, so what are some of the, the documented effects of ubiquitous cell phone use? Yeah, being done here. Absolutely. There's there's a lot of research that's starting to come out right now, and um, you know I think the some of the more concerning things are just the the really high levels of stress and anxiety that we're seeing um, in in all populations, but in, in specific you know the younger generations who are you know they, they've grown up with the phone, right? They've had technology in their hands since they were a baby. And we're starting to see almost some changes in, in brain development. That's, that's really concerning. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's some, uh, you know, like sensationalized, like, you know, there's some articles out there that are from, you know, reputable sources, but you know, the titles like are smartphones, like ruining a generation, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, we're, we're not an anti-technology company, but we, you know, we want to make sure that people are starting to become a lot more deliberate and intentional with how much they're using their device and how they are using their device. Um, and so I think that's a really big concern. Um, 
And, and I think there's that, that's, I think that's probably the biggest one. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions about how this social media kind of, I don't know if I want to call it a phenomenon, but just like the, the amount of social media that's out there and how that is connected with, with suicide rates going up, um, in relation to that stress anxiety, um, we're seeing a lot of research that's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's ironic because social media in, in theory, right. You're connected to everybody at all the time and you can, you know, you can do this online. You can talk with whoever you want, but what we're seeing is, uh, self-reported measures from students. Uh, we're, we're seeing higher levels of, uh, feeling left out and higher levels of loneliness. And so there's some sort of disconnect there. And, you know, that, I think that's why people are doing so much research right now, but, um, I think that's, that's definitely one of the highest, uh, issues, you know, highest priority issues that needs to be addressed. Um, and then on just another level, it's the, you know, the, the interpersonal connections that we're, we're starting to lose. And I think it's, it's really easy just to see anecdotally how, you know, people don't call each other anymore, like meet up and, and just, and hang out and, and interact. Um, and I think, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's really like society is starting to change in a pretty major way. I found it interesting. Uh, I've got a niece and a nephew who are about seven and a half right now. And so as they're growing up, I'm seeing them do this uh, developmental stage of parallel play where, you know, one's playing and the other one's playing. And then they kind of grow out of it and do their own thing. But then I go out in the world and I see, you know, teenagers doing parallel play or adults doing parallel play with their phones, you know. They're together, but they're mm-hmm. in their own zone. Doing, they're both playing Candy Crush or whatever. <laughs> they're both texting. Yeah. They're both playing on Instagram, but they're not connected to each other. And I recently finished uh, Cal Newport's latest book, Digital Minimalism, and I thought, you know, you said it very well, but um, he re- he says that one of the most humane things is face-to-face interaction, and the these phones are just literally in the way of us being able to have that, that connectivity. That's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in, in talking about social media, I'm, I'm wondering, cause you guys, you probably particularly are more connected to the youth and the, the education sphere. So, so are some populations, some demographics more being more affected by the social media use? Um, that's a great question. In, in what's really interesting is that, um, you know, cell phone dependency, I guess, uh, it doesn't know socioeconomic status. It doesn't know, you know, ethnicity. It doesn't know, it, like, it is pervasive across the board. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter if we go into a school that is, you know, 100% free or reduced lunch, or if it's a school, you know, in a really wealthy upper class suburb every student has a phone um and and most students are very dependent on their devices um so it's it's really uh fascinating to see just how pervasive it is uh, you know across all different groups yeah so so how are you and yonder helping shift our culture of phone dependency yeah so that's a great question um so obviously when when people are using Yonder, they physically can't use their phones. So they're forced to do some other things like, you know, interact with people is what a <laughs> concept. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, 
in addition to that, you know, in particular for, for schools, uh, but for, you know, also for places of employment uh, that, we, that we partner with, we actually come in and we present to students, to employees, and go over kind of the, the state of affairs of cell phones in society and, you know, kind of put, put some of the information out there, um, especially in schools. We try not to get too preachy and, and glorify all this, you know, studies and that kind of stuff. We just put it out there and say, you know, because it's interesting, kids know, right? They understand that cell phones are, are an issue and they acknowledge, you know, why, you know, I, one thing we, we ask is, why do we think we're on our phones so much? Why do you think these social media platforms want us to keep coming back? And they, you know, they can very eloquently describe how, you know, th these companies are making money off of us the more time our eyeballs are on these screens because, you know, we look through their advertisements and they make money. And, th and that kind of disconnect is, it's, it's interesting because what they say is, yeah, it's a problem, but it's not a problem for me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all my classmates. I can put my phone away whenever I want. So right, right. just to kind of get that conversation started and have them start to think about that and how maybe there are some side effects of being on their phones. Um, the, the, the numbers are pretty, pretty crazy. Adults uh, on average touch their screens 2,400 times a day and students touch their screens 5,400 times a day. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, that, I think that just goes to show how, how insane this is. Um, and so what we want is, yes, we want to be phone-free in, you know, in spaces that are using Yonder, but at the end of the day, our goal is to have students you know, go home uh, from school and sit at the dinner table with their family and not compulsively take their phone out, right? Actually interact. And you know, when they're sitting at you know, their desk at night doing homework, they can think, all right, I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to put it on silent. I'm not even going to think about it while I do my homework. And then, you know, afterwards I can maybe check and see, um, you know, if, if anyone texted me or anything, but uh, just to be able to have a little more self-control um, and ability to kind of, you know, separate themselves. I think your word choice there was spot on compulsive. It's some, sometimes <laughs> I find myself reaching for my phone. I'm like, it's not flashing. I have no use for it right now. Yeah, I'm exactly. But it's like this compulsion. Mm -hmm. so, so do you listen to uh, Gary V at all? Uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm familiar. Okay, so he's a uh, a tech entrepreneur and a, a trend um, forecaster. And and something that he says that I don't know how I square within this, the context of this conversation is it is a good thing that students are touching their phone 5,400 times a day because the world that they will grow into is virtual. Uh -huh. And that we're, uh, those who are trying to move towards a space of more digital minimalism are fighting um, a wave that we're gonna get crashed by. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, I, I guess it's, it is, it, honestly, right now, I feel like it's kind of the wild, wild west um, in terms of technology, right? There's, I mean, I, within the last six months, I would say, there's, there's more restrictions that are coming, but, you know, just like looking at how much of our data is just like basically for anyone to take, uh, apparently, even though if it's like supposedly, you know, secure data, like it, that's been proven wrong very, very frequently. Um, so there's that kind of component. But in terms specifically, again, going back to the younger population, um, and, and this is this is an, another really interesting thing that we've 
we've realized, and I, I've seen this, you know, while I was in education and now working in, in partnering with schools in education, um, the further away you get from the classroom, the more people say kind of a similar argument of, no, like, what do you mean you want to eliminate cell phones in, in classrooms? We need to put more cell phones. We need to put more technology in the classroom. It's a great learning tool. And what they aren't seeing is the daily struggle of teachers trying to compete with Snapchat and Fortnite and all of these apps that are inherently designed to keep us coming back, as opposed to these learning tools that are not ever going to be as flashy or appealing to students. And so I think that's, that's a disconnect that a lot of people see. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I don't, I don't have like the, you know, the perfect answer to that, but I think that's kind of the pushback. Yeah. That, uh, it's really, it's really interesting. No, cause I think about in my own experience growing up in the nineties, mm -hmm. had Sega, had a PlayStation and yeah, probably played those video games too much. And my mom would harp on my brother and I, and now that, you know, I'm an adult, I'm working in this world. I'm really good with computers. I'm really, I, I understand uh, design and menu navigation in a way that I'm always able to help, you know, uh, the older generations out with this stuff. And I really credit that to my facility with video games. So wondering how, how this plays out, just interesting to ponder. Yeah, absolutely. So Yonder is one solution about how we can have a more healthy relationship with our devices. What are some other uh, solutions out there? Um, yeah, so I mean, there are not really any other entities like us. Um, I think that what we found, is especially, again, going back to school settings, but in general, it's, it's really hard to eliminate cell phones from a space because people are, are going to crazy ends to not separate themselves from their cell phone. Um, and so, you know, Yonder's one space. Some, uh, some places use cell phone lockers. Um, and, and just kind of like, or, or even just like collecting people's phones. But again, the, that separation anxiety is, it's a real thing. And it's, it's pretty crazy to see, um, regardless of if you're a, a you know, a 13-year-old student or like, a, you know, a 60-year-old employee at a warehouse that, you know, has a no cell phone policy. Um, and so I think there's, there's a lot of struggles with that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, there's, there are starting to become some apps, you know, measuring your, the amount of screen time that you're using and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I think those are all still pretty early on in, in stages of development and, and how effective they are. Um, so I guess, yeah, time will tell with those. Hopefully that will also kind of help uh, people become a little more aware of, you know, just how much time they spend on, on their phone and what they're doing on their phone, right? Like how much of it is productivity, how much of it is, is like, you know, emailing and communicating in healthy ways versus, you know, the mindlessly scrolling through Instagram or whatever. One article that I came across yesterday uh, was touting this new phone that's the dumb phone. And the dumb phone calls and takes photos. And it looks like a smartphone, but I thought that was another interesting approach to this problem trying to hardwire in techn technological limitations to make these things not as sexy. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard um, a lot of people like 
change their display to like black and white and somehow that's supposed to have a psychological effect where you're like less tempted because it's like oh it's it's just black and white I don't really you know like I don't want to look at this <laughs> old timey thing yeah yeah so when it comes to uh your work what's the elephant in the room um so you know I think there's I guess there's there's two elephants in the room uh for us and one of them is like an internal kind of thing and one of them is the the external thing that is actually I think really helpful for you know you know why it's so important that we're doing what we're doing um internally uh what I would say is that you know it's it's how do we square our ethos and our mission and how do we live it while at the same time being a startup and needing to interact and needing to make phone calls right so I think that's kind of an interesting conundrum that we're currently in. Um, and there's, you know, there's definitely some irony in that. Um, I think we're doing a pretty good job. It, it, you know, we have, uh, we've never, like, we, we don't have any sort of social media accounts and, and never will. Um, we don't do any advertising or anything like that. Um, but it's, it's interesting because a lot of times schools will reach out to us or, you know, uh, you know, in, employers will reach out to us and, and say, hey, I saw your your advertisement on Facebook, which is not an advertisement, but it's probably like a news article that one of their friends on Facebook posted, and they saw that. And, and so, you know, like, yes, it is helpful to us. Like, we're like, are we contributing to this, you know, kind of issue of like everything being online? But yeah, so there's that, that kind of very interesting conundrum that we're in. Um, and then, the elephant in the room in terms of just technology is um, the the incentives um, from from big tech and how you know like obviously Apple wants to have an Apple device in everybody's hands and and at the same time they're also kind of talking about how they want to limit technology use big tech um, how how they you know try to you know preach that they're trying to help people limit their device use, you know, the amount of time that they're on their device, but at the same time, they're still incentivizing, you know, because the, the more, the more uh, Apple products they sell and the more time we're on their screens, the more money that they're going to make. Um, and so what we see is that, you know, there's a lot of incentive, but at the same time, we, you know, you hear stories and uh, Steve Jobs was interviewed before he passed away right after the uh, first iPad came out. And the reporter asked, you know, like just in, in like casually, like your kids must love the, the new iPad. And they like, I think the iPad wasn't even like in stores yet or just gotten into stores. And he said, oh, they haven't used it yet. We limit how much technology our kids get at home. So like, I think that is like the, you know, the definition of like, you know, kind of like a conflict in terms of like what, what's happening with these big tech giants in terms of what they're, uh, you know, how they're trying to appeal to everyone, but at the same time, like, you know, what are their thoughts, you know, behind the closed doors about how healthy is this huge amount of technology use? And I've heard that Steve Jobs example and a lot of other uh, venues, like the, a lot of Facebook executives don't allow their children to have Facebook. A lot of Twitter executives don't allow their children to have Twitter. So I'm wondering what they know, or is it just a, a gut feeling that all of this uh, social media, all this interaction quote unquote is not um it's not good for us yeah so uh on the flip side what are some digital and cultural trends that are giving you hope 
that says, okay, yes, yonder is David and big tech is Goliath, but David won. So, <laughs> so what's the win to you guys' back? Um, I, I think that um, the realization, you know, that with, with all the big tech people starting to get like grilled on Capitol Hill about all of the data. And, and I think there's, it almost seems like there's a little bit of trend, you know, a little bit of a trend of people who are starting to become a little more skeptical and think, think twice before, you know, like just randomly, you know, going online and, and putting information out there and just, you know, spending so much time, you know, on the internet. Um, and another, another kind of exciting thing is that we are starting to, you know, the more people we talk with, the more we're, we're learning from people who, you know, are starting to kind of impose their own restrictions and limitations and, and, and with them and their families in terms of like, yeah, we, of course, you know, like it's a crazy idea that we would like give our kids, you know, unrestricted phone use, you know, um, we're starting to hear more and more of those conversations as opposed to, you know, two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. so, so how long has Yonder been around at this point? So we started back in 2014. Um, and, and again, it wasn't until about three years ago where we kind of took off into other different um, spaces aside from the, you know, events and entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And before I ask the next question, why Yonder? What's Yonder? Uh, yeah, so over Yonder, um, you know, it's kind of the utopian idea of, of this space where, you know, we can go to this place and we're not ruled by our devices. You know, we can kind of, you know, interact in healthy ways. And it's, you know, kind of this, you know, ideal, ideal space, essentially. Okay, over Yonder. Okay. And so if Yonder is successful in the next five years, what will uh, we be seeing? What will we be doing differently? Yeah, great question. Um, I think that we will be seeing uh, fewer, you know, annoying videos and posts at concerts and events, and, and we'll be hearing more about people who had a really, really great time. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, in schools, um, we'll see fewer fights that are, you know, being recorded and posted onto social media. Um, and we'll hear more about, uh, you know, interactions and, and um, you know, just like, you know, improved test scores. Um, and I think, you know, it'll, it'll just, it'll be almost this, this thing where, you know, everyone knows, everyone knows yonder, everyone knows, you know, being cell phone free. And that's not this like, uh, you know, radical idea to like create a truly cell phone free space is like, oh yeah, of course. Like we want people to be focused and engaged. Why would we have a cell phone? That's a crazy idea. It's so distracting, that kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like the pendulum is swinging, you know, as Cal Newport's out there getting more and more notoriety in the work that you all are doing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very important. So for, for those who want to be, become a little more conscious about how they're using and getting used by their devices, um, where should they go? What's, what's some literature, some blogs, some information that can begin digesting? Yeah, there's actually some great information um, on our website that, uh, and I don't, there's like a tab that's like, I think it's like library and there's, there's a bunch of really uh, like interesting articles that directly apply to this. Um, and it's not like, you know, obviously we don't do advertisements, so it's nothing like that. It's just like really interesting literature um, that's out there. So if you, you want to check out our, our website at over yonder and it's, 
this is for trademark purposes because we couldn't do Y-O-N-D-E-R. So it's over and then Y-O-N-D-R.com. <laughs> and then check out the library section. Um, there's some, some really fascinating articles out there. Yeah, so for those who are listening and realizing that, oh, crap. I've got a compulsion. I'm addicted to my device. What is one thing that you recommend that they can do to improve the relationship they have with their phone? Absolutely. Um, one thing um, that could be really helpful, and, and, and I think it's important to like kind of start small. It, it is, you know, um, it's, it's, it is something that people are really glued to their devices and you don't want to just like, you know, go cold turkey and, and stop using it altogether because, you know, uh, but I, I think one thing that's really helpful is uh, using just an old-fashioned alarm clock and keeping your phone out of your bedroom. Um, I, and that's something that uh, we've seen, and, and we talk with students a lot. Um, and, and actually, when we when we present to students, it's really cool to hear uh, some parents make that like just that's the standard. You don't like when you go to bed, you can't have technology in your room. And we ask them about what kind of sleep that they get and how how well, like how quickly they can fall asleep, as opposed to the students who are, you know, staring at their super bright screen and that's the last thing they see before trying to fall asleep. Obviously it takes a while after that. Yeah. Um so just you know when you decide I'm gonna go to bed, um and I was guilty of this like a few years ago, but, you know, before I, I started learning about Yonder and, and realizing just like how detrimental it was, you know, I would like even like check work emails at like, you know, 1030 PM where it's like, there is no reason, you know, minus a few very specific professions that you would ever need to check or send a work email at that time of night. But I was still doing it just because, you know, I was quote unquote trying to be productive Right. Uh, but, but then, you know, you can't fall asleep and you have much worse sleep. So, you know, kind of putting your phone in a different room and using an alarm clock or, or you know, just just being very intentional and deliberate about the times where you are just kind of hanging out, you know, reading a book or interacting with people. And when you use your phone or when you take out your phone, knowing that, like, there's a very specific reason you're doing it. You aren't just mindlessly doing it. It's not, you know, don't don't tr don't use it as a pacifier almost. Mm hmm. It's a tool, not a pacifier. <laughs> tool. <laughs> I love it. So um, as we begin to wrap up, I'm kind of zooming out of everything that we've touched on. And I'm really struck at the, the challenge, but also the organizational discipline and alignment that Yonder's operating with, saying, no, we're going to live our ethos. We're not going to participate in the attention economy. Um, and that's got to be a challenge because... How else do you garner, garner new clients, get that attention? But it's, it's the right thing to do. So kudos to you and the team. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we appreciate it. We're, you know, we're working to, to be better every day. So Yeah. So before we wrap up today, Alex, any last words, calls to action? Um, you know, I, I think we really covered a lot today. This was, this was really great. I, I appreciate you having me on. This is, this is a lot of fun. And I think we went, you know, we got over, you know, we got through a lot of the, I think the really big stuff out there. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, whether or not you're using Yonder, I, I just would love for, for more people out there to be more intentional about when and where and why they're using their phones and using technology in general. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really interesting just to see, 
you know, places these days that, you know, whether it's a restaurant or you're on the bus or, you know, even just walking around, you know, how many people are out there actually, you know, paying attention and, and taking in life that's coming at them as opposed to people who are, you know, kind of just mindless drones walking around with their phones. So um, we want to see more people interacting and, and enjoying themselves and, you know, in the actual world around them. In real life, it's a good place <laughs> to be. Yeah. Well, again, Alex, thank you and the team for all you're doing. It's really important work and uh, keep it up, man. As I look around at our dominant culture, I can't help but think how much cell phone ubiquity is inhibiting us from all connecting and communicating in ways that we all strive to be with one another. It's reached a fever pitch, and I'm more aware of the negative effects now more than ever. This touches everyone. It's not just Gen Z or the millennials. I see Gen Xers and baby boomers and traditionalists modeling these same terrible behaviors. Leaving aside the impact of these devices on our youth, our cultural addiction to these devices is getting in the way of our ability to have our basic needs met, feeling acknowledged by others, and being connected to something larger than ourselves, something outside of our screens. Now, I'm not a Luddite. Don't get me wrong, I love my phone. I rely on my phone for my business and for so many of the relationships that I'm able to maintain thanks to my phone. It's an incredible tool. It allows me to work remotely, to access information at the flip of a finger, and efficiently complete my myriad of tasks with an iota of effort. But it has its place and time. It's not my safety blanket, it's a tool. It's not an extension of myself. I'm not a cyborg, it's the opposite. It's a barrier to me being in touch with myself and those that I am with. Now at spas, restaurants, in nature, and meetings, on dates with our friends, we're all engaging with our phones next to each other, but engaged in separate areas of focus. We're with each other, but we're not connected to each other. Simply put, it's childish behavior. It's, it's parallel play for those who have kids or understand childhood psychology. For the sake of your ability to communicate effectively and for the sake of your ability to be present, for the sake of your ability to have meaningful relationships, put down the damn phone. If you own a restaurant, Help your customers enjoy the experience by implementing a cell phone-free zone. Or if you're a manager, help your team communicate by implementing a cell phone-free rule for meetings, maybe in the break room. If you're with your friends, put down the phone and be present. In the age of radical acceleration and technological advancement, perhaps the most important innovation is for us to get back to investing in our own humanity. A big thanks to my buddy Jay Lately for providing the music and the sponsorship of the Onward podcast. Jay Lately is a hip-hop artist out of Oakland who dedicates his time to enriching the lives of youth in Oakland and around the states through his music, through his words, and through his poetry. Interested in sponsoring the podcast yourself? Get at me. 
dwinesveg at gmail.com. That's D-W-E-I-N-Z-V-E-G. And last but certainly not least, a huge thanks to all my listeners, all my followers, and all my supporters. Make sure to subscribe to Onward at soundcloud.com backslash onward. Find us at the iTunes podcast store or Anchor FM. And if you would be so kind as to leave a review, a little words, a few stars go a long way. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Onward. Until next time, onward and upward. <laughs>